This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nick Horwat. Horwat, how are you doing this week, buddy? Uh, same as last week, just working a lot and uh, trying to get through it. Um, this episode's going to be a strange one. We had some uh, things come out that uh, are not fun conversation topics, but they are important to discuss and go over and make sure everyone knows the facts, knows what's going on, and is informed. Because one thing I noticed today... I delivered pizzas today and was listening to both Mark Madden and the fan. I was flipping back and forth, and no one was discussing this. It was all Steelers talk, which I get, <laughs> because it's Pittsburgh. And we lost, and I forgot how toxic Pittsburgh Twitter can be. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was the bulk of the conversation on radio today. And honestly, I've not seen much discussion over what we will get into other than the big TSN article that dropped. Yeah, of course, when we've been saying the last couple of weeks that we're hoping for news from the NHL and news from the Pittsburgh Penguins, and none of us could have ever imagined that this is what would have come out, and it's definitely not what we wanted to see and what nobody wants to see this in any sense of the word in any any spectrum of the universe or the world, and unfortunately, it is something that came out about the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday when we're recording this, is the Pittsburgh Penguins silenced an AHL coach about his wife's sexual assault and was told to stay quiet. This was reported by TSN's Rick Westhead. The best we can do is is give you guys all the details so you're informed on what's going on. And of course, this is a developing story, so we will stay up to date with all of the details as they roll out here. But as of right now, these are the details that we have. Former Wilkes-Barre Scranton assistant coach Jared Sklade alleged that his former Wilkes-Barre Scranton head coach Clark Donatelli assaulted his wife Aaron on a team road trip The allegations are against the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Lemieux group, of course, who owns the Pittsburgh Penguins, and Donatelli himself. This happened back in November of 2018. Like I said, while the team was on a road trip in Providence, Rhode Island, Donatelli allegedly first assaulted Mrs. Sklade while they were briefly alone prior to returning to the hotel, and then once again in the backseat of the car on the way back to the hotel, Sklade alleges that he confronted Donatelli about his actions on May 15th of 2019, so about six or seven months after the fact. Donatelli claimed at that point that he was too drunk to recall the events of that evening, but six days later met and apologized to Sklade, telling him that he would come forward to Billy Guerin, who at that point was the assistant general manager for the Pittsburgh Penguins in charge of operations down in Wilkes-Barre. And after Donatelli failed to come forward, threw on his promise and to speak with Garen as he said he would. Sklade decided that he would bring the incident to the attention of assistant GM Bill Garen himself. At the 2019 NHL draft in Vancouver on June 21st of 2019. And Garen allegedly told Sklade to keep quiet about the alleged assault. A week later on June 28th of 2019, the Penguins announced that Donatelli had resigned for personal reasons. And the lawsuit said that Garen later advised Mr. Sklade that the Penguins were terminating Mr. Donatelli's employment 
but instructed Mr. Sklade that knowledge of the incident and termination had to be suppressed, cautioning that it, quote, has to stay quiet and can't be let out. Sklade also alleges that the Penguins violated Pennsylvania's whistleblower laws and fired him on May 5th, 2020, because he complained to the team. Reporting credit goes to TSN's Rick Westhead, who dropped the story on Tuesday, December 8th. You can read the full story at tsn.ca. Of course, like I said earlier, this is still a developing story, and we will be following the situation as more information arises. Horwat, what did you... It's really hard to go about talking about this. What are your thoughts as you hear all of these details about the Penguins allegedly covering up sexual assault? There are no words for it, really. Let's be honest with with each other. There are no words for it. It's disgusting that it would be. It's disgusting that it would be covered up at all. It's gross to think about that it was given to Bill Guerin of all people. Um, someone who we, who many Pittsburghers and, org- and Penguin organization people have spoken so highly of, it's really not a good look on on his part, on the Penguins' part, on the Wilkes-Barre part, on anyone's part in this whole situation. Uh, the Penguins are attempting to dismiss the case, and you know, by way of not notifying the team within 180 days or not affording the rights to whistleblower laws because of it um legally that's you know the correct thing to do i guess it's all very weird and confusing Uh, but what makes things even worse is and what really makes me question all of it is that also in that article on tsn there were more things given about donatelli to um, i guess there have been more countless other episodes of inappropriate conduct within the organization and not just the organization but it went as far as to say that you know there were sexual and other gestures or moments with organizational workers so far as saying that there were sexual relations with lower level staff at the arena that Wilkes-Barre plays and that's it just it just kept getting worse for Donatelli him resigning for personal reasons the lawsuit you know continues to claim that the Penguins were aware of this conduct which you have to wonder who in the Penguins was aware of the conduct. That's where I want to know questions or ha- want to know answers is who in the organization was aware because they're the ones that need to be held responsible. We had people asking in the Slack chat, how much involvement does Mario Lemieux have in all of this? And genuinely, we don't know. Us two, at least, we have no idea. Uh, from what it seems to me, it doesn't seem like a ton of day-to-day involvement, but this is something that you have to question if he is aware of considering his name is on the lawsuit. It is the Lemieux group being put into this. It's against the Penguins, it's against the Lemieux group, and it's against Donatelli. So so it's all very fluid, and the Penguins are trying to dismiss the case, and part of it is also saying that nothing really has been proven, but you got to take the allegations seriously and go from there. Yeah, whether or not it is something that has been seen wire to wire on a national spectrum, it is a massive deal. That as an organization that stands as a pillar is being accused of something such as this. And like you said, there's still a lot of the process that needs to go through. We don't know all of the answers, but as it stands right now, the Penguins, that's one of the big questions. How high up in the poll did it go? The highest that has been named, at least in that article by TSN, is Billy Guerin, who was the assistant general manager at the time. 
we don't know how much higher it went from Garen, so that's something that we need to keep mind of and keep an eye out for. And the other thing you mentioned was the legal response from the Penguins lawyer. And yes, while the legal response that they had in that article was appropriate for a legal defense, it is not appropriate in the sense of a public relations or a human sense. Yeah, and we'll keep you updated as things go come out, obviously. Um, as it stands as well, none of these people work with the Penguins anymore. That's one thing uh, to be noted as well. We mentioned Donatelli resigned for personal reasons, and this is probably what brought up the entire lawsuit was whenever the Penguins fired Sklade. When they fired Sklade in what seemed to be a, a COVID-19 firing, but that that portion of the case is all about wrongful termination whether yep. he was fired because of covert or whether he was fired for coming forward and talking about this with the organization and that that is what Sklade is saying is that he was fired because he came forward and spoke up and the organization of course is rebutting with the covid-19 is the reason that he was laid off in addition to all of the facts that we laid out about this case before there have been, since we recorded, some quotes and some statements made by the defendants in this case, and that, of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Lemieux Group, and Billy Guerin. From Guerin himself, quote, When I learned of these allegations, I promptly brought them to Pittsburgh Penguins senior management. The allegations were quickly investigated. I emphatically deny anything to the contrary. Again, that is the quote from former assistant general manager Billy Garen, current Minnesota Wild general manager, and the Wild, in response to these allegations, said, quote, The Minnesota Wild have discussed this matter with Bill Garen and fully supports him. As this is a matter of active litigation, we will have no further comment. And also the Pittsburgh Penguins commented after we finished this recording, saying, quote, We took this incident very seriously and acted immediately. The team investigated and addressed the alleged incident within hours of being notified in June 2019, despite the fact that Mr. Sklade delayed seven months before he made any complaint. Again, those are the comments and the quotes from the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Minnesota Wild, and former Penguins assistant general manager Bill Guerin, who was named in this lawsuit. As we have mentioned several times in this show, we will continue to stay up to date with the latest details and latest facts of this case. Now back to the show. So like, like I said, very, very fluid situation. There's still a lot of details that are left to be released. We will stick with this here. I'm sure we will be discussing this for, for a couple weeks now, if yeah. not longer, maybe months until this is, is resolved and all of the facts are, are brought forward into the public eye. But as we've had to do in several instances before on this show, and as we're going to probably going to continue to have to do as we discuss a, such a serious, serious matter, uh, we're going to have to take a hard right here to get on to the rest of the show. But of course, by no means are, are we looking past what has transpired here. And we are keeping an eye on that and we'll discuss it when more details arise. But as I said, we're going to take a hard right here and talk about some of the other news that came out that week, the NHL, of course, announced that it will return on January 13th with a 56-game schedule. Of course, there's a lot of hurdles still to climb for the NHL before they can restart 
and get back to the return to play format on January 13th. A lot of different things that need to go right for them and things that they need to figure out. But the good thing is the NHL and NHLPA have announced that the economic framework of the new CBA will remain intact. So no more economic finances talk for the NHL. Now it's all about getting down to brass tacks and getting down to the return to play format. Horwat, when you saw this news, were, were you happy that we finally have a date? Yeah, I think it's it was some some positivity to come out of these of all these talks of let's be real, very unentertaining discussions because it's a lot of polit uh, a lot of money talk, it's a lot of contract talk, it's stuff I don't really understand. But hey, I, what the one outcome I was waiting for was here's a date we're playing, here's how many games we're playing. That's and now we're just waiting on an official word from that. But uh, starting in just a little over a month is exciting. You gotta, you're gonna have a quite an amped up training camp if uh, one at all. I'm assuming there'll be something. And then 56 games. Did you? Is there any detail on how long that would last? Like, not necessarily. They they still are still aiming to finish it, of course, by early July before the Summer Olympics kick off. But of course, that like I said, several hurdles. Roster sizes being one of them. Schedule flexibility, how many off days do you want to incorporate in case you have to cancel games, as you talked about on the last episode. Of course, you have the seven teams that didn't get to play in the return-to-play format. They were initially promised additional time in a training camp setting, but as of right now, it kind of looks like everybody's set to begin training camp on January 1st, New Year's Day of 2021. So, like I said, lots of hurdles to jump here, but as you mentioned there, yes. Exactly. They haven't really talked about when they expect key dates like that as well. Trade deadline, expansion draft, which is at the end of the season, and that's going to be something that they need to figure out. A lot of key dates, including, of course, the next draft and trade deadline. Yeah, it's those old dates that will get ironed out uh, in the details. I'm sure that's what um, most of the conversation they have left is because – if you're saying we're starting Ju- July or January 13th, 13th, yes. Yeah, you don't have much time to make those decisions. You got to iron that out basically within a week and have all that ready for A, the teams, B, the, t- the players, organizations, and then, of course, the public who is dying to know all of this. Let me throw, let me throw my pen. Is dying to know all of this detail. Yeah, and we fully expect at this point for them, once they finished all the finance stuff, we kind of expect them to kind of breeze through the rest of the details because, let's be completely honest, once the finances were figured out in the summertime, the rest of the details started pouring out a lot quicker. So instead of getting caught up on the finances, that's why the NHL and the NHLPA did the right thing in foregoing that. I know a lot of owners are not happy about that because of the, the lost finances and revenue that they're going to have because of the season being played with mostly no fans but this is what we wanted to see we finally have a date where we can expect hockey back at least a tentative date where it isn't yeah we're thinking january 1st but it could be february now we know okay january 13th it seems realistic especially with the day we're recording this the first vaccinations in great britain are coming out so it looks like we're heading forward with the covid19 pandemic so a lot of good news on that front as far as the pandemic and the return to hockey is concerned. And a 56-game schedule, Horwat, 
when you hear that, do you think good or bad for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Uh, indifference, really. I think we're a great team and can handle any amount of games that are thrown at us. Mm-hmm. I think it'll. I think what may have an effect on us might be the style of games that are played. Is it going to be like a baseball series where it's three games in three days against the same team? Then you take, you know, because it's hockey, you're going to have to take time off. Will you do it the next weekend? Is it going to turn into an AHL-style schedule, which I saw discussed uh, a pretty fair amount, where it would be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three games in just over 48 hours, then going forward with about a week off, and then doing it again. How is the schedule going to look? How much travel is going to be involved? Do we have a new division lining? It's I really can't say what the team penguins wise will look like or what they will do without knowing all of that but at the same time for now seeing 56 games uh, i like it it's more than the 48 we had last lockout and it's less than the whole 82 that they wanted to do but i we all knew it would start affecting into the next season which is what we didn't want so 56 is a good happy medium and um that gives crosby a chance for about do some math crunch some numbers 70 points maybe yeah i was about to say 65 to 70 points probably based on his career uh, projections and everything that has been going on for the last 15 years at least but uh, i did have an article that went up on the hockey podcast network patreon page a couple weeks ago you can visit us at patreon.com slash the hockey podcast network just one dollar gets you past the paywall where you get articles like the one i'm discussing articles like horwatts about nhl soundtracks you also get exclusive podcasts as well as the after hours audio so of course check that out just one dollar but as i was mentioning i did have that article out there about how a 48 game schedule would fare better for the penguins than a 60 game schedule I didn't really get to crunch the numbers on a 56-game schedule, but the same thing still applies. The Penguins in the first 24 games have struggled under the Sullivan era. The following 24, which would get them the 48 games, has been their best stretch of every single season under Mike Sullivan. So I would expect that to continue. And then, of course, you still have that eight-game buffer where they usually regress in that time up to 60. But in that eight-game, who knows? Maybe when there's no season left after that, you play a little bit better, especially depending on where you're at after 48 games into the season. So it all depends. I think it does overall help the Pittsburgh Penguins to play a little bit more because of that slow start and because of the way this season is going to be structured. You're going to need, especially for the Penguins who are notoriously slow starters, as I've mentioned, you're going to need a couple more games at the end there to be able to get into full swing. So I like the 56-game schedule for the Penguins, and I think it's going to be, it's going to help them in the long run. Yeah. Plus, one thing that's cool about it is that it's shorter time for uh, Tristan Jari to really show some errors per se. It's mm-hmm. he's gonna have less mar- it's gonna have less margin for error for one, but also if he plays positively, uh, it's it's a good factor for him because it's his first season as a full time starter that eliminates a little bit of the learning curve but it also kind of ramps up a bunch of other things. So we'll have to see. It's I think for the most part it's the season isn't going to be on him, but there's going to be a huge eye at least for me. I'm going to be keeping a good eye on how Jari performs this year and going forward as now he is the number 1 goalie in the organization. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. It kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off of him when he doesn't have to start as many games as a normal starter would in a full season. So his first season as the number one guy, he doesn't have to worry about the workload. But at the same time, if we're trying to get 56 games in, in who knows what, three months, four months, you might have games closer together. As you mentioned, maybe the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where he's forced to play a back-to-back no matter what, and then DeSmith gets one of the three games or however this is going to happen. Either way, it's going to be an awkward season for everybody to get used to, and it might affect Tristan Jari. It, it all remains to be seen because it, if it's affecting Tristan Jari, it's going to affect every other goaltender in the National right. Hockey League because everybody's going to be given similar schedules. So that is something that, of course, is going to be a storyline this year is what can Jari do now that he is the guy. And there's no heir apparent. For the first time since before Matt Murray even played his first game, which was back in, what, 2015 in, in December, for the first time since then, there hasn't been an heir apparent to the starting goaltending job. I don't I don't classify Casey DeSmith as a starting candidate. I don't classify Emil Larmy quite yet as an heir apparent. So right now it is Tristan Jari's net, and there's nobody behind him that can really genuinely threaten to take it away from him. So that is going to be a storyline that is going to be massive for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, and both of us, of course, on our next episode this next Monday, if you tune into that one, we are going to delve deeply into Tristan Jari and our expectations of him for this season. So tune into that episode coming up this next Monday. But as we move on here, there is hockey coming up this weekend. We have had college hockey in the past couple of weekends. We do have the World Juniors coming up in a couple of weeks. But we have some Penguins organizational hockey. And that is with the ECHL's Wheeling Nailers. Their season is set to begin this weekend. Of course, their first game is this Saturday against the Indy Fuel. Unfortunately, that's the only game they have this weekend before they have another week off. But it's going to be a very team, very different, excuse me, team from last year from the looks of it when you look at the roster. The big thing that I'm looking at is we're finally going to get our first look at Felix Robert, who was the guy from the Sherbrooke Phoenix who played on the line with Sam Poulin. He was sent down a couple of weeks ago or last week at some point to play for the Wheeling Nailers. So he's going to get his professional debut in hopefully this Saturday against the Indy Fuel. Last season, the Wheeling Nailers finished in last place in the Central Division. So hopefully they can improve upon that record. Horwat, are you excited for Wheeling Nailers hockey, buddy? I am. I'm excited to watch some sort of professional hockey. It helps that I have a couple of teams I can watch. I always mention the Florida Everblades from mm-hmm. down where my mom lives. So I know they're starting soon as well, obviously. Um, I want to know, I don't, do we know how much travel these teams are doing? I'm not sure. I've tried to look into that. It seems like it's very limited. That's what I figured. Because I, I knew I know travel was limited before in the ECHL. They, they didn't like doing cross- divisional games that much um but the only reason i break that up is because it's not that long ago i think it was the everblades tweeted one of those on this day in history type tweets it was against the wheeling nailers and i thought that was really funny um seeing the two teams that i root for on the coast have some sort of history in one of the organizations but uh yeah from what i remember the the everblades are a good team they've you know, made their, two years ago they were in the finals down there. Last season, then they got canceled. So there's that. 
trekking to be another good playoff team though uh but and then there's the nailers being the nailers i guess in last place i didn't know that but in, in their division they weren't last place in the league there were some teams that were a lot worse than the, the nailers last year okay i mean the echl is a weird it's a, a dogfight at all times it's an mm-hmm. interesting league and uh those games are so fun to go to yeah, and if you remember last season, Brandon Hawkins, the guy we talked about a little bit for the ECHL's Wheeling Nailers, he hit the Michigan goal. So I'm not sure. I didn't see him on, on the roster when I when I looked at it earlier today. He might be starting in Wilkesburg, or maybe he's not with the organization anymore. I'll have to do a little bit more digging yeah. into that. ECHL rosters, there's all kind of turnover. It's hard to keep track of it all. Like the same team that I saw in – is it the Kelly Cup down there? Yes. The same team I saw for Florida in the Kelly Cup playoffs is it's a completely different team already. Mm-hmm. Uh, turnover is pretty quick down there, and especially with Florida bouncing between Carolina to Nashville in a in the last recent year too. So, uh, so we'll turn into an ECHL podcast for what the next couple weeks until more NHL news happens. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of NHL news to discuss in the yeah. next couple of weeks, but we're also going to follow the Wheeling Nailers at least. Well, we're going to follow them the whole season, mm-hmm. but we'll definitely be following them a little bit more until January 1st when the Pens report to training camp. So if you're looking for live hockey to watch, if you're looking for Penguins prospects, yes, there are players from the Wheeling Nailers that make it to Pittsburgh as a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You want an example? I mentioned his name a couple minutes ago, Casey DeSmith came from the Wheeling Nailers. Emil Larmy, who I also mentioned, played in Wheeling a little bit last year. So check out the Wheeling Nailers. Of course, like I said, only one game this weekend. That is Saturday against the Indy Fuel. But we will be keeping a close eye on how the Nailers do this season. We will be taking a quick break right now. But when we return, we're going to finish off our show with our shout-outs and call-out segment. We'll be right back. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hello and welcome. My name is Brad Lieb. I am a former professional hockey player and this is the Life After Hockey podcast. This is the place where I'll be interviewing former players and exploring their life after hockey journeys, including their successes, challenges, and the causes that they are passionate about. So please join me on the Hockey Podcast Network every Saturday for new episodes and follow me on Twitter at Brad M. Lieb for all my podcast updates. 
And until then, keep going and enjoy your life. <laughs> Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, season two, episode three. Horwat, we're, we're roaring through season two already as we're here on episode three. We're recording this in the first week or second week of December, I guess it is. And we're getting excited because in just over a month, we'll have actual professional NHL hockey games to talk about. I mean, by next Monday, we'll have a professional hockey game to talk about, as we mentioned with the Wheeling Nailers. But in about a month, we'll have Penguins games to talk about. I'm very excited for it. I know you're very excited for it. And I'm also very excited for our shout-outs and call-out segment. And I feel like I, I want to lead off this one with shout-outs, mainly because it ties into our last segment with the Wheeling Nailers. And my shout-out this week goes to Tim Tebow. And you're probably asking yourself, now, how does Tim Tebow tie in with the ECHL? Well, he is joining Jacksonville Jaguars players Miles Jack and Reggie Hayward to become part of the ownership group of the Jacksonville Icemen of the ECHL. Tebow, he has a very extensive resume now, doesn't he? I mean, he's former NFL quarterback, beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs on overtime and 75-yard touchdown pass. We don't need to continue bringing that up. Current MLB prospect, college football analyst for ESPN, and now hockey team owner. What's next? I mean, is he going to be the Lakers strength He's, and conditioning coach? I say he has to do something in the NBA now or in basketball. That's that's the next step. <laughs> and then that's the final step. Um, Bo Jackson is being put to shame by Tim Tebow, apparently. I mean, maybe not at the level, <laughs> but at the same time, I think Tebow's looking at this quantity over quality against Bo Jackson. <laughs> Wouldn't you say that was how his NFL career went too? Yeah, that sounds about right. I guess they were, I guess that both quality the inc- quality of wins were not high for the Denver Broncos whenever Tebow was the quarterback. Uh I don't remember much of the Tebow era. I remember him in college. Uh, who doesn't remember him in college? That those were some iconic teams and highlights. Oh yeah, but... Tebow to Aaron Hernandez. Oh. Oh, I did it to him. Yes. Shit, I didn't realize that. I'll stop yeah. talking. Uh-huh. <laughs> but no, for Tebow, of course, joining the ownership group of the Jacksonville Icemen, those three join an extensive list of owners. There is about 15 or 16 owners part of that ownership group down there in Jacksonville. But it also includes MLB journeyman Daniel Murphy, who played for the Washington Nationals, as well as the Chicago Cubs and a couple other clubs. So, Joining an extensive list of owners down there, the Icemen's first game is scheduled for this Friday against the undefeated Florida Everblades. So there's your tie-in, Horwat. Got it. <laughs> Got it in there. Uh, yeah, the Everblades should be good. And the Icemen, yeah, I know. I think that's one of the teams they're, rival, they're like rivals with. It's like I would them hope the, so. They're in the same It's state. like them and the Orlando Solar Bears. There's three hockey ECHL hockey teams down there, first of all. Hey, Hockey in Florida is bumping right now. Sure it is. Sure it is. I more mean, than it used to. Definitely more than it used to. Uh, there are just I still always hear people say that hockey barely exists down there to most people. But hey, for what it's worth, uh, the ECHL it feels like almost any community that has an ECHL squad uh, loves it because it's like I mentioned, it is old time hockey. It is a dogfight at all times, and 
with Florida having three of those teams down there, all in fairly close proximity, I guess, because I don't know where Jacksonville is exactly. But then there's Orlando and Estero, Florida, is where the Everblades are. Uh, it's not like you're going South Beach, Miami, and then all the way up to the Panhandle, where Tallahassee is, correct? Well, Jacksonville is pretty close to the border of Georgia. Oh, well, then I'll be quiet it's about, about, it's about proximity. I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, it's about 25, 30 minutes from, from the Florida-Georgia line. Um, okay, well then, forget what I said about proximity. Just know that's five, at least five hockey teams down there. I can't think of any of the AHL teams right now. But uh, that's a hockey community that uh, you can get some ice down there. I'm sure they'd love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they also get a bad rep because of the Florida Panthers. And, and nothing against the Panthers as an organization, but their attendance numbers don't help the appearance and the optics of hockey being very healthy in, in the state of Florida. It happens, man. It, one bad team doesn't mean doesn't make up for the whole state, but I mean, the Stanley Cup champions currently reside exactly. in Tampa Bay, Florida. So And they and the Lightning sell out fairly well. They they have some pretty good sell, uh, selling numbers. But Yeah. What is your shout out, Horwat? Uh my shout out is going to go to Jerome Ginlock. Did you see him on <laughs> local news? being the uh, random pedestrian and he was just as smiley and as pleasant as he was during his entire nhl career it fantastic absolutely fantastic i loved that video so much i don't know why because at first you're looking at it like there's no way this reporter just didn't know hockey hall of famer jerome aginla and i also noticed i thought the video was from from boston where he played at one point <laughs> so no one in that organization stopped and said he used to play for the Bruins. I thought the Bruins were popular in Boston. Yeah, I mean, not everybody has to be a hockey fan. I get that. But at the same time, Hockey Hall of Famer, one of the greats, played in your city. And I just thought it was hilarious that he he, he said, quote, I'm Canadian, so we're kind of used to it. But this is kind of ridiculous. He said, and, I, like, know, he, he's I like He's hiding it back like this guy really doesn't know who oh, I yeah. am. Oh, he yeah. He knew it was, was just... going to become a meme a great smirk the entire way through him he said i like the snow i like winter but not necessarily this (laughs) and you're right but i there was just something so funny just about a hall of famer a hall of fame athlete being the hey sir can we get an interview about the weather about the shitty blizzard we're having right now it truly makes it humbling for fans of hockey who say that hockey is just as big in this country as some other sports, but I doubt that would ever happen to a star hall of fame football player. I was about to say like name, name a hall of famer outside of a hockey hall of famer that that would happen to exactly. Maybe basketball, maybe basketball, or maybe uh, that baseball player that just got inducted with Jeter this year. Cause I couldn't remember his name. I, I, I had to look him up. <laughs> I had to look him up on he was like the first Rocky to make the to make the Hall of Fame I think and that might even be wrong yeah that that rings a bell but I still I still don't remember his name I mean it, it's kind of hard when you're <laughs> you're inducted next to Jeter oh yeah so you, you already know you're not going to get the limelight whatsoever but still very good accomplishment don't want to take anything away from it but oh yeah it it's Jeter man and also just a great moment for Jerome Ginlet to just just to be that humble about it, too. It was awesome. Should have shot a <laughs> What is your call-out, Horwat? Uh, my call-out's going to call back to more conversations that have happened in the Slack, and it goes to people who don't like Christmas music. 
Uh, what is your opinion on Christmas music exactly? I don't mind Christmas music at the right time. Of course, at the right so time. So as, as you have been, do not let me hear Christmas music before December 1st. December 1st, Because okay. you're, it's too much. Way too much. The month of December is reserved for Christmas music. I understand that. By the time the 15th, 16th, by the time we get to the 20th, I'm about sick of it. You've heard Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas way too much. Well, if I hear that on the 2nd of December, I've already heard it enough times. Oh, but I... The rest of Christmas music, not that I don't like it, but the amount that it gets played, too repetitive, and by the 20th, I'm ready to listen to Silence. <laughs> That's fair. I... I really enjoy Christmas music. I have a couple theories on it. I mean, I'm just calling people out who don't like it mm -hmm. because there were a few in the Slack that weren't for it. Um, I believe it was Corey and Richie, I believe, had a whole topic on it. They I did. haven't listened to their yeah. episode yet. Uh, I want to listen to it, though, to see what they thought because I guess they got into it. Ooh. But um, my theory... That is a, sorry, that is the Corey Richie show here on the Hockey Podcast Network covering the Arizona Coyotes. Sorry, had to make sure we have proper attribution you're good i would have totally forgotten thank you for doing that <laughs> but yeah for people who don't like christmas music i get where you're coming from it can be overplayed it can be repetitive this that the other but man you the same people that probably don't like christmas music are probably the same people that put their trees up before thanksgiving there yeah I that is it. a big pet peeve of yours that is, i said it my other theory with christmas music though is that uh, i feel like there are only like 20 original christmas songs just redone just redone by every artist with a spotify account but hey those those few originals that do come out are awesome and i don't know i listen to my christmas playlist on a fairly regular uh occurrence in the month of december because yeah. it spans from everything it's got it all it's got the classics it's got new stuff it's got the jokey songs like the spongebob ones <laughs> and then it's got just the <laughs> instrumentals from the nutcracker and uh, the band that is escaping me. I just talked about them yesterday. But, yeah. That's that's me. The Trans-Siberian Orchestra, is that the one you're talking them. about? Yes, okay. thank you. Them. <laughs> uh, so people who don't like Christmas music, uh, suck it up. I don't like some of it either, but uh, the stuff I do like, I like playing. And I like listening to, so. Listen, if I hear a Christmas song that I've never heard before, I'm genuinely excited. So please, send me that playlist. I'll have to listen to it on my way to and from work. The next couple of weeks but i keep trying to add to it it's it's a little boring sometimes but uh yeah i'll send it to you cool sounds good sounds good my call out this week i don't know if you saw this story horwat my call out goes to emmanuel duran he is a texas high school football player who blindsided a referee after being ejected from the game he came off of the sidelines charged the referee the referee ended up with a concussion Duron has since been arrested and charged with assault, which of course is blatantly obvious. And his school, the Edinburgh High School, has been expelled from the Texas State playoffs as a result. Listen, have you ever heard of the movie Friday Night Lights? <laughs> yes, and the TV show. And Yeah, exactly, and the TV show. That's about high school football in Texas. Also, by the way, that's a book. If, if oh. anybody didn't know that, that is that is actually all based off of a book. And I did read that for a high school project once. So, yes, I did read the book. But, yes, nice. <laughs> there's a movie. There's a TV show. There's a book. 
high school football is big in Texas. Unless Huge. people didn't know that already, it is massive. And when you get to the state playoffs, it is a huge deal for your team. So for the actions of this one kid to get his entire team expelled from the Texas state playoffs is a massive deal. Not only that, but in the way that he did it, of course, in the absolute dirtbag way that he did, you don't attack an official ever. You don't touch an official. And if you haven't seen the video, I suggest you look it up to see exactly how despicable the actions of this young young kid were. But you don't touch an official, and you definitely don't charge one and bull one over concussing him. So the actions of him, I'm sure he's gonna live, not going to get to live that down, especially because his team was expelled from the playoffs. His team actually ended up winning that game as well. Ooh. So they Ooh. were going to move on in the Texas State playoffs, but they didn't because of this incident. And obviously, rightly so, but just an absolute awful display of sportsmanship by Emmanuel Duran. I'm sure he's going to get he, – he already got arrested and charged. I'm sure he's going to be found guilty. Yeah, and some of the details from it, I believe – I don't know how good of a – he was a senior, I think, so I don't know how good of a football prospect he would have been going into college. Odds are, he's, <laughs> I say, odds are he's losing all of that. Um, I saw somewhere, I think it was the school district that pulled the, pulled the team out. I could be wrong about that. I'm um, not sure who did, but they. I, all I know is that someone they did. will not be in the playoffs. Yeah, someone did. He still cost their team that spot, regardless of who pulled the trigger on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and were you at our last deck hockey game? last whenever we played when oh, the, the fight, fight broke out yeah and the yeah i was definitely that's, there i'll let you talk about it that's where i learned i mean i feel like i knew this but that's kind of where i really learned that um almost all officials in sports out are protected by the government so that is uh what do they call it that's federal so what he so attacking a federal a technical federal employee um it's not what you want to do exactly because it will lead to something like this very yeah. illegal and very not good uh, yeah everyone gets mad at referees everyone from players to coaches to fans to everyone us we've been mad at referees shit i got mad at referees during deck hockey games like i just mentioned yeah and to, but to, to make sure that we we make this perfectly clear neither of us attacked a referee nor did anybody in that incident a referee actually was trying to was trying de-escalate to de-escalate the situation because we did get into a very big <laughs> line brawl, but de-escalating a situation by tackling and, and choking one of the players is not the way to do it. I mean, it, it, it did work. Everybody kind of stopped fighting and looked at that because that was very unexpected, but at the same time, that's not the, the right way to de-escalate a situation like that. Right, but that being said, it's that's just this, that, the other thing, but that being said, everyone gets mad at refs. This is not the way to take it out on them. Uh, you want to make a, you want to make a tweak? Go for it. You want to yell at them some more? Uh, go for it. I guess don't just don't make it. Don't take it too far. Uh, you want to? I don't know what else you can do. You want to flip them the bird as you're walking away? Go for it. These challenge it. Challenge it to his superiors. Challenge it to the district. Yeah. The, do what you got to do. Don't Texas out there and version do it. of the PIAA. Yeah, and you mentioned it being Texas. If you think football in Western PA is big, oh, oh, North Hills bigger than Texas. Yeah, North Hills' Coliseum has nothing on these arenas these kids play in down there. Okay, 
uh, Texas or football is huge in Texas. High school football is huge in Texas, and uh, this kid being a bonehead, yeah, you screwed your team, bud. In the most polite way to put it, being a bonehead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Quite. It's it's an interesting video. If you haven't seen the video, honestly, it's interesting to watch. It doesn't look terrible, but I mean, if it resulted in a concussion, it's from the distance away. It is. Yeah. It is bad. Yeah. So I, I suggest you, you look into that, and while you're doing that, check out our last episode this past Monday and get ready for our next episode coming out this next Monday where we are going to discuss Tristan Jari, go into detail about his upcoming first season as the true number one goaltender of the Pittsburgh Penguins. But before we let you guys go for the weekend, Horwat, anything else? Mm, yes, actually, I will say it because it first story should be out by now. Uh, with the hockey writers, me and another Penguins writer are doing a 12 days of hockey miss, if you will, for the Penguins. Uh, it's pretty much like 12, I believe the first one is 12 game-winning goals from Yager in whatever year it was. It's like the team record. Then it goes into 11 playoff series against the Capitals, so, so on and so forth, down mm-hmm. the list until one. It's going to be interesting as hell because a bunch of teams are doing it throughout the hockey writers and... It'll basically, basically, I'll be saying, hey, I have another story out every other day from the 13th until the 24th. So, If you're looking for content, Horowat yes. has you covered. It's a lot of historical stuff, too. I'm really excited about it. I have the evens, so I'll have uh, 12, 10, 8, 6, 4, 2. And in case you didn't before, now you know the even numbers between 1 and 12. Backwards. Backwards. I'm impressed by myself for that, too. <laughs> I'm impressed by you too, buddy. Well, Thank you. That is going to be it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Like I said, tune in on Monday for our next episode where we'll be talking about Tristan Jari. But as far as it goes for today, that is all. We will see you next week. Have a good one, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.